0: Heavenly Father, we thank thee, Lord, that on this first day of the week, a day that is somewhat gloomy, we can come into this thy house of prayer. Our hearts can rejoice with brethren and friends as we sit at thy feet for learning and we're taught by thee. Lord, we are so blessed. We are people of hope. We are people with purpose. We are redeemed. And as the psalmist said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So, Lord, speak to us, beginning with thy servant, Lord. Teach us out of thy word. Give us insight. Give us direction. Lord, give us admonition where it is needed. And, Lord, through the miraculous power of thy spirit that lives within us, we pray that we might truly be doers of thy word and not hearers only. Lord, be with those that can't be with us. We're mindful of Sister Hilda, we're mindful of Aunt Lainey, and others that may escape me at this time. Lord, be with them, bless them, touch their hearts, and draw them to you and to us through your cords of love. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Dear ones, I had actually reached out to Mike last night and said, hey Mike, could you be my back up, because I wasn't sure what my voice was going to be like today, and I'm not sure how it's going to do, so he may finish. The Lord knows. And during the week, I was praying about this morning's message, and I was trying to figure out, you know, what would, is there something, Lord, that you would have me share? And, and I really believed that the Lord just wanted me to pray and open the word and preach. But then in the middle of the night, the Lord awakened me and said, I'd like you to share what you shared at the brothers' meeting last week. So, ChatGPT says it should be brief. I had 20 minutes in Windsor, so it's probably going to be a little bit brief. So maybe I did what some AI thinks I should. But I'd like us to turn to something first. I'd like you to turn to 2 Timothy 3. I'd like to read the first 14 verses, because I think it can give us some context. 2 Timothy 3. And I didn't look it up first. I think these verses tell us a lot. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses, let captive silly women laden with sins led away with diverse lusts ever learning and never coming to the knowledge of the truth. what does that sound like our halls of higher learning. Now as James and Jambres withstood Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith, but they shall proceed no further, for their folly shall be manifest unto all men as theirs also was. But thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, Purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, and patience. Persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra. Persecutions I endured, but of them all the Lord delivered me. Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer for persecution. But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. would like to stop with that verse. Dear ones, it was as if the Apostle Paul could see the times in which we are living now, and yet he, he wasn't. There is nothing new under the sun. Yes, man is becoming more and more ungodly. Yes, man is becoming more and more um, reprobate. And that's simply because mankind has pushed God farther and farther away. And when God is absent, all that is left is that which is evil. The Apostle Paul wrote to the brethren in Thessalonica, and, and I believe it says something, until he is taken away, and everything he letteth will let until he is taken away, meaning the Holy Spirit is restraining restraining evil on earth until he's taken away, and then all hell will break loose. It's going to happen. The good news is that when the Holy Spirit is taken away, so will all of us that are empowered by him. In fact, we become part of that restraining force that's here on earth. So the topic for the National Brothers meeting was built on these verses, Colossians 2, 7 and 8, rooted and built up in him established in the faith as he had been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. And the objective that we had as we were putting that agenda together was how do we, how do we equip our churches our brothers our fathers our grandfathers to stay faithful and not just stay faithful but to abound in a woke culture it's quite simple we need to understand that we are to abound and to be thankful so how do we do that and it was it was and it was my task the other brothers had i I actually had the easiest of them. Mine was the last piece, which was abounding therein with thanksgiving. The other brothers talked about how do we know what's going on? How do we how do we stay on top of it? How do we spend time in the Word? That type of thing. Um, one of the brothers, Brother Jim Igich, talked about um, thermometers, you know, and taking the temperature, and and I picked up on that, and I gave it a slight twist. And I said, brothers, we are not just to be thermometers in our homes and in our churches and in the world. We're supposed to be thermostats. Thermometers tell the temperature. Thermostats change it. Do we realize, dear ones, that we have the opportunity to change the world where we are, to change the mindsets in our families, to change the mindsets in our offices, to change the mindsets of our neighbors. So how do we do it? Well, the first thing that I thought of was, and you've heard me preach on this before, but the, John 10.10 10 says this, And the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Colon. And this is Jesus saying, I am come that you might have life, comma, and that you might have it more abundantly. And the question that I challenged these brothers with, that I challenged you with some years ago, is which side of that comma will we live on? Jesus came that we might have life. Praise God, we're redeemed. I'm thankful for that. My sins are forgiven. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I was given the power to overcome Satan and sin in my life. Wonderful. But if that was the only reason that I were here, God would have taken me home. To be forever with him. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, comma, and that you might have it more abundantly. And my brothers and my sisters and my friends outside of Christ, we get to choose which side of the comma we live on. Now we get to choose whether we're part of that verse. That's the first choice. The second choice is where how do I want to live? Do I just want to live? Do I just want to exist? Or do I want to live abundantly? I challenged the brothers last week. I, so, you know, what, is, what does abounding mean? Abounding means actually to be above and in excess of what is required. There's, I want to read some verses. This is abounding. Ephesians 3, 14 through 20. For this cause, Apostle Paul praying for the brethren in Ephesus, where he spent, I think, a year and a half, maybe two years, I think he spent in Ephesus. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which passeth knowledge that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. That's abundance. That's abounding. Think about what he said, that we would know Christ and be filled with all the fullness of God. That is a never-ending pursuit. How would I know it's a never-ending pursuit? Because heaven is described as a place where neither I have seen nor ear, ear heard neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him so if i can't even comprehend what god is preparing for me how can i understand god but i continue to strive toward to understand the fullness of god and then and so so how do we do it verse 20 now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. The power that worketh in us is the Spirit. I've been listening to a marriage podcast again. I found this new marriage podcast, and it's a beautiful podcast. I'm not going to share what it is yet because I haven't listened to enough of it, but one of the things that they were talking about, and what I, what I really love about this podcast, is that they're, they're building these discussion points about a husband-wife wife relationship based on the relationship that we have with God. That our relationship with God should be something that is, that is inspirational. It's something that's deep. It's ever-searching. It's ever-knowing. God, God wants us to live in an adventure with him. Look at what Jesus did with the disciples. He always was giving them more than they they were always searching for. What did this mean? What did this mean? Think about the things that the disciples experienced with Jesus. Imagine the feeding of the 5,000 being there. And I wonder, what was Jesus thinking when he knows what's going to happen? So they get there. All these people are hungry. He knows they're hungry. He knows they're not going to leave. And he simply says to the disciples, what have you got? Five loaves and two fishes. And I can just imagine Jesus thinking to himself, just wait. Just wait what I'm going to do. They're going to be blown away. And he says, make them sit down in groups of what's 50. Get the baskets. And he prays and he just starts disseminating the food. Sees the disciples in the boat, rowing. Just wait till I calm the sea. He was inviting them into relationship with him. He was inviting them into experience him as the son of God. My brothers and my sisters, are we seeing our relationship with the Lord like that? I've, I've had some interesting things over the last few weeks, and I, and I actually... I talked with the ministering brothers this morning. and I'm going to ask that you folks pray that I can get over whatever it is I have. I don't know what it is. I know God could heal me. God could heal me by lunchtime. God could heal me right away. Maybe he doesn't want to. Other things in life, meaningless things in life that I'm having to wait through. And the Lord is just saying to me, be patient, wait with me wait with me. Why? There's a purpose in the waiting. You know, it's hard, it's hard on my family to be around me sometimes because I'm hacking and I'm struggling and, you know, I don't feel bad. I just cough and can't talk. But there's a purpose in it. And I'm leaning in to try to find out what the purpose is. I asked the brothers last, so I am asking you to pray, but not that I would be well, but that God would help me understand this. If, if Certainly, I would love to be better. But that I can understand what the purpose is. He's, he's taking me on a journey. I need to lean in. I challenged the brothers last week. I said, are you satisfied with your relationship with Christ? The answer better be no. I said to the husbands, are you satisfied with the relationships with your spouses? The answer needs to be No. Because until the Apostle Paul, one of his his true purposes in life was to know Christ, to have fellowship with him in being made conformable even unto his death. Paul wanted to live an abundant life in Christ. Because that's the richness that's there. I was also reminded as I was standing before the brothers last week of Uncle Guy. I don't remember much of Uncle Guy. I remember a snow white haired man. I remember him, I probably my last image of him is sitting on a chase lounge at the lake in the summer covered up with something, so he must have been cold. I have a cassette tape at home, his last public prayer. But I remember what other people said about him. That when he prayed, he said, Lord. Thou art art honored when we ask much of thee, and so we shall. He believed in God's abundance. We sell God short. This week, when I was reading the Bible class lessons, there was the verse, and I copied it and I pasted it into my journal, and the Lord added daily such as would be saved. Because I've wondered why don't more come? It's not my job to make them come, but it is my job to invite them, and we'll get to that in a minute. The Lord's gonna add those. The Lord's gonna do the work. Do I believe him? Am I willing to be vulnerable? Am I willing to step out? Am I willing to be the light in a sin-darkened world? Are we asking enough of God? I think we're selling, I'm selling God short. I should have said at a prayer meeting on a Wednesday night, two weeks ago, hey, I'm really struggling with this. Could you pray that if it's God's will, it could go away? But I didn't. I waited two weeks because a cold takes two weeks to process through. Don't call your doctor unless it's been 10 days. So I waited after the 10 days and I called Dr. Pachorik. He said, come on in. He said, yep, you got a sinus infection. You had this on November of last year. You had it on March, the year before that. Here's your Seftonir, here's your steroids. You'll be better in a couple days. That was four weeks ago. So I call him, still haven't prayed. I mean, I've prayed, haven't asked anybody else to pray. So I call him last Monday because I had a rough weekend in Windsor, Beverly Hills. Oh, you need to go to urgent care. So I go to urgent care. So what do they do? They put me on some cough medicine. They put me on some really heavy doses of steroids for two weeks. So I'm going to go back to Pechoric on Wednesday. The great physician can heal this. I'm not saying you shouldn't call your doctor, you should. I'll probably end up calling my general practitioner, too. But we don't ask enough of God. First Thessalonians 5:16 and 18 through 18. This tells us how we do it. So one of the things that, it, it was interesting, a young brother came up to me, well, young, he's younger than me, he's a middle-aged brother now, came up to me midway through the brothers' meeting, and he said, Dave, we're missing it. And he was a brother that helped coordinate. I said, what are we missing? He said, everything we've had so far, till the break, anybody could have heard on a Sunday morning. He said, Dave, I want you to think YouTube. I said, w- "What YouTube? Why do you read stuff? Why do you watch YouTube? Calls to action, things you can do. Gotta be passionate. Gotta get gotta connect. I said, thank you. And he goes, Where's Brother Jim? Because Jim was gonna do the segment just before me. Well, wow. Brother Jim is a fine preacher. I love Brother Jim's sermons. That was not normal, Brother Jim. It was amazing. It was quick, it was fast, it was call to action. So I knew that brothers wanted something to do. What do we do? Don't just give them a message. Don't just tell them there's a need. Give them something to do. So how do we abound with thanksgiving? Well, Apostle Paul told us that. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice in everything. Rejoice. Why? Because we cannot be bitter and rejoice at the same time. You can't have a negative attitude and rejoice. It's not possible. And negative emotions are three times as powerful as positive ones, so you need three positives to one negative just to be even, Rejoice. Find things to rejoice about. What am I rejoicing about? I honestly don't feel that bad. I cough. I don't have a voice. But I got energy most of the time. A little bit too much when I'm on those steroids. Rejoice everyone. Pray without ceasing. Be always prayerful. You heard me talk about my, doc, my chiropractor, Dr. Howe. He prays scriptures all day long. Think about this. If I'm worried about what's going on, if I focus on 2 Timothy 3, the first 14 verses, man, the world is a miserable place. Yes, it is. Look under the hills. Your redemption draws nigh. It isn't going to get better. Things will not get easier for Israel. They're going to get harder. Things will not get easier for America. They're going to get harder. And every day they get harder, we get one day closer to the kingdom where there are no tears and there is no sorrow and there are no body aches. In everything give thanks for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus or in Christ Jesus concerning you. It's hard. It's hard when things don't work out, when schedules don't work out, when you're supposed to have something happen and it doesn't happen and you feel like you're going to pull your hair out, which obviously I've done way too much, right? Just say, thank you, Lord. There has to be a reason. I know there's a reason. Thank you, Lord. Because you only want what's best for me. You loved me enough to die for me. You loved me enough to come from paradise where there was no evil, where there was no sin, You left that for me. I know you will never leave me or forsake me. And as the psalmist said, And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort comfort me. The reason I don't feel comforted, the reason, my brother and sister, you may not feel comforted, is you're not looking in the right place. The songwriter said, Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. If I spend my day watching Fox News or CNN, I will be fearful. I'm not saying don't check the news. But to whatever I give energy, I give life. If I've learned anything, as I got older, I can't trust Washington, they can't even pick a speaker. I don't need to, because God knows. And You've probably noticed that lately, there's been a song that I've announced a lot. How I love the great Redeemer who is doing so much for me. With what joy I tell the story of the love that makes men free. Till my earthly life is ended, I will send songs above. Then abide the crystal sea, more and more my soul, then beside the crystal sea, more and more my soul shall be praising Jesus and his love. He is everything to me. He has purchased my redemption, rolled my burden of sin away, and I'm walking on beside and walking on beside me, growing dearer day by day. That's the deeper knowing. The more we walk with the Lord, the relationship gets deeper. The more we walk with our help meets on earth, the relationship gets deeper. That is why I sing his praises. That is why joy is mine. That is why forevermore on the everlasting shore I shall sing of love divine. Glory be to him forever. Endless praises to Christ the Lamb. He has filled my life with sunshine. He has made me what I am. Oh, that everyone would know him. Oh, that all would adore. Oh, that all would trust and love. Trust the love of the mighty friend above and be, and be his forevermore. He is everything to me. Dear ones, if we want to reach out to the world, if I want to reach out to the world, and if I live that, sin, that hymn, if I'm walking in joy, if I'm walking with purpose, if I'm thankful, if I understand that the days are dark, but the darker the night, the brighter the light. When when people see us, do they see Jesus? When they see me, do they see Jesus? They, the, the world is, is looking for hope. The world is looking for security. We have it. I had had a privilege of of having a conversation with an author that wrote a book on the generations. And, And one of the things that he talked about in the generations is that, and I've shared this before, especially Gen Zs, those born after 2000. Think about these poor souls that have been born since 2000. Think of all the things that they have faced in life. Since 2000, I forgot what they call the really little kids, like six and under. Children who are six and under spent f- a half of their life looking at people behind a mask. Man, but of those born after 2000, the highest percentage of mental health issues of any generation. So much uncertainty. Social media is so toxic. They're bombarded with all kinds of messages. It's no wonder they're confused about their gender. It's no wonder they're confused about faith. But their life stance is this. They are hoping and coping. We have the answer. When I work with leaders, I say, you have the greatest opportunity to connect with your employees that are that age. Offer them hope. And a way to cope. Make the place that you work a place where they want to be, where they're heard, where they're listened to. They don't get what they want, but they're listened to. Show that you care for them. Mentor them. Invest in them. Learn to know their hopes, their dreams, their beliefs, their fears. Talk with them. And the, you will, they will not leave if you do that. Well, what about on the spiritual side, dear ones? We don't just have hope. We have a lively hope. We have a hope that changes souls. And we don't just have ways to cope. We have the way to cope. The Holy Spirit living within us that binds us to the Father, that binds us with each other, that allows us to truly live a life of peace joy and purpose. Let's take the basket off the candle. Let's shine brightly and let's remember that if we are grateful and if we are thankful, fear cannot abide. May the Lord add his blessing to these words.